You're listening to the Tax Bits podcast, where we provide bite-sized tax updates and news that impact you and your loved ones. As always, you can find show notes and resources for each episode at cartaxlaw.com. Now, here's your host, Jason Carr. Hello once again, and thanks for tuning in for this month's tax podcast. As always, if you know others who might benefit from listening, let them know they can find the podcast on their platform of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. So there's a running joke, at least I think it's a joke, that one of the IRS's mottos is, we have what it takes to take what you have. One way the IRS has what it takes to potentially take what you have is the audit. More terrifying than a visit to a dentist, spiders, and public speaking all rolled into one is the IRS tax audit. An IRS tax audit is when an employee of the Internal Revenue Service takes a peek at your financial information to make certain your taxes were filed correctly. So one question you probably have is how does an IRS tax audit work? Of course, everything is computers and technology these days. The IRS computer system scans every tax return the agency receives to look for anomalies between it and other returns filed by taxpayers who are in similar financial situations. This is what's known as the Discriminant Information Function, or DIF. For example, if the computer sees you made $100,000 last year, but claimed you gave 75% of that to charity, the computer will definitely flag it. That's because, comparatively speaking, folks who make $100,000 don't give it all away to worthy causes. That alert will require some more review. So there's a scoring system, and the IRS computer assigns each person's return a DIF score. A high score means the information in your tax return is unusual and is sus, as the kids like to say. Sus is suspicious. The tax return doesn't meet the norms for your financial situation. From there, a real-life human person and agent gets involved and will personally review the tax information you provided and decide if it should be audited. So the next question is probably, how do I get the news that I'm being audited? If an IRS agent reviews your income tax return and determines there are questions that need to be answered, you'll get a notice through the U.S. mail outlining what the agency believes is wrong with your return. The IRS may ask you to confirm certain information and provide additional supporting paperwork. But the key here is whether the IRS informs you if you can return the documentation by mail or if you're required to visit them at an in-person audit with the IRS agent. So there are two types of audits you need to know about. There's a correspondence audit and an in-person audit. A correspondence audit really isn't very audit-like at all. In fact, if it wasn't called a correspondence audit, you might think of it simply as your pals at the IRS want to ask you a few questions. But with a correspondence audit, you're asked to provide the federal government with supporting documentation by mail. That's it, really, or at least that may be it. After sending the IRS the requested information, you may get another notice in a few weeks that says your return is accurate and the audit's over. But if the result is that you owe the IRS money, you'll receive another notice your return was incorrect, and you must send them money or get in touch with them to discuss some kind of payment resolution. So take some precautions when you mail in documentation to the IRS. Use certified mail with a return receipt requested so there is no doubt the IRS actually received it. If the IRS misplaces the information after this point, it's their responsibility. And it does happen, so do this, please. You can also fax the requested documents so you will have a receipt showing the transmission went through. Then there's the second type of audit, the true blue 100% completely total in-person audit. These are also fall within two categories, either an office audit or a field audit. The office audit happens at an IRS office. 
A field audit, on the other hand, occurs at a place of your choosing, usually at your home, business, or your attorney's office. And this is like the audits you see in the movies or on TV. You take a seat with the IRS agent with your files and receipts. You're asked some questions and provide supporting documentation. We can't say if the agent will be grumpy and without a sense of humor as they're often portrayed on the screen, but the Taxpayer First Act did go into effect in 2019, which is supposed to improve the IRS's bad reputation. This includes easier settlement procedures, less use of private tax collectors, and a new comprehensive customer service strategy. So that's something. You should also know that a correspondence audit usually addresses a single narrow issue as opposed to an in-person audit, which is a sign the IRS has more than just a couple of questions about your return. The in-person meeting with the IRS agent is, of course, required so they can complete a more in-depth investigation and probe for more information. While some of the questions may seem pretty harmless, the agent really just wants to get to the bottom of your income tax return. And I know that sounds scary. I mean, you probably want to know if you have to do this alone. Actually, you can sort of phone a friend and bring your tax attorney with you. The attorney must be an authorized representative with credentials recognized by the IRS. You also have the option to pass on a question, but you'll have to provide an answer after you've researched your documentation. So what kind of supporting documentation would they want to see? Well, first, it's important to understand that most audits occur within two years of the filing date of a tax return. However, the IRS technically has up to three years to conduct an audit. Moreover, if the IRS discovers substantial errors, they can go back up to six years. But this is typically only happens when something about a more recent return has raised questions about an older one. So as far as documentation, keep all your supporting doc- tax documentation for six years just in case, even though the law only requires you to keep it for three. The IRS will take electronically stored data in most instances, but hang on to a paper copy as a backup. So how is an IRS audit settled? 40 lashes with a wet noodle? Bed with no supper? Your mouth washed out with soap? Not quite. Actually, an IRS audit is resolved in one of three ways. First, they say there's some, nothing wrong with your tax return. You'd have to agree that would be better than any other two options I'm about to discuss, unless it involves a trip to Hawaii. And just so we're clear, there's no vacation in either of the following options. Second, the IRS finds one or more problems. You recognize your error and agree with their changes. Finally, they determine there's a problem and propose changes, but you disagree. If you agree, you're asked to sign an examination report and likely hand over some more money and taxes, penalty, and interest. After you sign and pay anything you owe, the ordeal more terrifying than the dentist, spiders, and public speaking all rolled in one is over. But if you disagree, you can request mediation or you can speak to an IRS manager. Plus, you can appeal an IRS decision or take the matter to the U.S. tax court. At this point, you should certainly consider bringing in legal counsel if you haven't done so already. So that's an overview of the IRS audit process. The good news is that only something like 0.6% of personal returns are audited every year, and most of these are nothing more than an exchange of letters like the correspondence audits we just discussed. But in more serious cases, you may be called in to have a chat with the IRS in person. When that happens, give someone like me a call to avoid making matters worse for yourself. So that's all I have for this episode. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll be back next month to discuss another tax topic. Take care, everyone. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please tell your friends and colleagues to visit cartaxlaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next time for another edition of the Tax Bits Podcast.